0: So let's get into the word today. We're going to teach today. If I would have known I was going this direction, I would have done this as a series. But we talked a few weeks ago um, <clears throat> about just the world we live in and all that's going on and the struggles that we face, the things we see on TV, and just all the devastation that's happening in the world that we live in. And the Lord began I just, the to put on my heart some things that we've been talking about the last few weeks. Last two weeks ago, we talked about fear. And we talked about how do we overcome fear because fear could easily set in if you think a lot about where we're living and what's going on. You could easily find yourself in a place of fear. And then we talked last week about prayer and the importance of of being people of prayer. That prayer actually does work. It really does work. And we talked about how the church prayed for Peter when Peter was in jail. And while the church was praying, an angel appeared to Peter and had him get up. And he was chained to guards. Plus, he had guards all around him. And, and somehow he got up, his chains fell off, and he walked right out, right past the gates, right through the gates. The big iron gate opened, and, and, and they walked right out, miraculously walked out because of prayer. So this last week, I spent a lot of time just praying. And I know I, had asked, I asked a lot of y'all if you would commit to doing something, fasting something, or doing something, and just spend some extra time in prayer, and I'm telling you, God's doing some amazing things. While I was away, I don't know how if you remember me telling you about a, a young man that was in my youth group that was in a diving accident and uh, fractured his neck and was paralyzed. Uh, he called me, and we've been praying for him. He called me the other day, and uh, he said, Pastor Scott, I just want you to know I moved my toe, which is huge. I mean, and, and when people think that there's no way, there's still a way. And, uh, and he's been through this long process. It's been several months he's been walking through this. And I told him when I went and visited him, uh, he was up in Baltimore. And I said, listen, I better get the first call when that toe moves because I'm telling you, your toe is going to move. I'm believing God for a miracle. And I said, I don't, want, I don't want to see it on Facebook or I will drive back up here. I said, I want you to call me. He said, I will. So he called me and said, listen, I, I got to tell somebody. And I wanted you to be the first to know that my toe has moved I'm starting to feel a little bit of stuff come back in to my toes and two toes on one side and one toe on the other and that's the beginning and when God begins a good work he's faithful to complete it so we gotta we gotta pray we gotta be people of prayer and this week is still part of that how we handle difficulty the world we live in the situations that we face and here's what we're gonna talk about today we're gonna talk about perspective And having a godly perspective. Because, you know, some things, we interpret some things based on our perspective. And it's real to us, but that doesn't mean that it's real. If I was to say to you, I want everyone to just close your eyes. And some of you, you, I've done this before. But right now, go ahead. Everybody close your eyes. And I want you to picture this man-eating shark. Just what comes to your mind when I say man-eating shark? Now open your eyes. How many of you saw sharp teeth, jaw, you saw like Jaws movie. You saw that. (laughs) How many of you saw that? Raise your hand. All right. Here's what I was talking about. I was talking about somebody sitting down to a nice dinner, eating some shark. Nice big piece of fish right in front of them, just eating. So see how perceptions can be different. I can say one thing, you can see it as another thing. Another example is I heard this story. um, My pastor used to tell this when I was over at Grace Covenant, but there was a story of these two shoe salesmen. They're from different companies, and they were sent to this foreign land they've never been to before. And they both get there. They're from competing companies. They both get there, and when they get there, they see that nobody has shoes on. So the one guy calls back, and he says, listen, you might as well just book another flight to the home. They don't even wear shoes here. So he Next day, he flies back. The other guy calls back and says, you need to send me every shoe, every shoe you got, because everybody here needs shoes. So again, it's, again, perspective. It's how you look at something. And in life, we can sing you are good, you are good. But if you have a different perspective about God, you may not realize what is really true and that God is good. But because we look at things and we see things different, we, we perceive God different by how we feel. If you've gone through a difficulty and you think, God, where worry you? Then you think God is all about destroying your life. If you had a bad representation of a father, then you could see God the way you saw your earthly father, that he's disappointed in you, that he's going to leave you, and he's going to abandon you because that's what your father did. Then your perspective, it's real to you, but it's not real. It's real to you, but it's not the truth of who God is. And in our life today, we, are, we, we have to make sure that we get a fresh perspective on life, a fresh perspective on God, a fresh perspective of who we are. Because if our perspective is at all off, if you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna mess up. You're going to miss out. Because the way you view life is directly connected to how you're going to live your life. So if you feel like everything is, is, you know, negative and bad, then you're going to have this outlook that, that's just, you know, there's just no hope. There's just no hope. But that's, I'm telling you, it's not true. Have you ever been, here's another example. Have you ever been in your, uh, have you ever been sitting in your car like at a stoplight and the car in front of you pulls up a little bit and it feels like you're going backwards? Have you ever done that? Just me, okay. That is a crazy feeling, and I, it happened not too long ago. And I remember sitting at a light. My foot is on the brake, and I'm just sitting at the light. And all of a sudden, I'm like, "Whoa, whoa!" And I push, and I'm like, "What am I doing? I'm by myself." And of course, I don't. I laugh at myself. I think I'm hilarious sometimes. So I just start laughing. I'm like, "What are you panicking for?" I promise you, I thought I was going to hit the car behind me. I thought I was rolling backwards. And I thought, man, good thing I caught my. But then I realized, I've had my foot on the brake the whole time. And then I realized, okay, that car is moving forward just a little. So what I thought, what my mind was saying was happening wasn't really happening. But it felt like it was happening. It seemed like it was happening. But if I got out of my car and I'm like, whoa, did you see my car back up? Everybody would have been like, sir, your car didn't move. No, it moved. No, it didn't move. So we have to look at life different. We can't always think that just because we feel something, it's right. It's like the, I don't know, all these little analogies come to me. It's story time. No, it's like this little, it's like this person who goes to the doctor and they say, Doctor, there's something major, majorly wrong with me. My entire body hurts. If I touch my arm, it's it's painful. My leg, when I touch my leg, it's painful. When I touch my feet, it's painful. I touch the back of my neck, it's painful. And the doctor says, well, you, your finger's broke. It's like, oh, something simple. But you think everywhere I touch, I feel pain. Yeah, because the thing you're touching with is what's hurting. So perspective, everything changes in perspective. Everything. You got that? We need a healthy perspective. So let's look at our perspectives. What's our perspective of God? And what I want to do is just put a few scriptures up here to help you understand who God is. And if you have any different perspective than this, dig in the word and begin to search out who is God. Because I only have a few verses up here because I don't want to keep y'all till Wednesday. But I could put verse after verse after verse up here explaining who God is. Not who you think he is based on how you've interpreted circumstances. This is who God is. Look at this first verse in 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. He doesn't just have love, which he does. He doesn't just demonstrate love. He does. But he is love. Everything about God is love. God is love. So if you ever think God doesn't love me, that's impossible. That's impossible for God not to love you. It is completely impossible because God is love. He is loved. God so loved the world. Are you part of the world? Yes. So God loves you. God loves you. How many have ever felt like God didn't care? Be honest. You ever felt like in a circumstance, God, you don't? He doesn't even care. That's that's not right. That's a perspective that you've had because of the way you've interpreted something, the way someone taught you something. Let's look at this next scripture. 2 Peter three nine. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. This is talking about when Jesus comes again for his church. And he's not waiting. He's not waiting. He's not forgetting about it. He's not slow. Listen, he is so patient. He doesn't want anybody to miss out. He could come back right now, and there would be people that would not go. There are people that would miss miss. The rapture, the second coming of Jesus. They would miss it because they weren't ready. They never gave their lives to Jesus. And the Bible says, listen, he's slow because he wants everyone. He wants more people in his family. He wants more people in his family. He has a heart for people. He loves people. That's why he sent his son to die for them. So he's patient. If he's patient there, why would he not be patient with you? God's patient. I love the fact that God's patient because there's times when I say I'm going to do something and I start you really heading that way. I'm going to read this much. I'm going to do this much. I'm going to pray this much. And then you kind of like, oh, man, I forgot. I got busy. And God doesn't like, forget you. That's not God. He's like, I'm patient. Listen, you're fine. You'll get there. You keep going. You keep going. He's patient with us. He's more patient with us than we are with ourselves. He's a patient God. Let's keep going. Look at Psalms 1830. God's way is perfect. That's, that should tell you something about God right there. His ways are perfect. His promises prove true. He's a shield for those who look to him for protection. There's a lot in this one verse. One is saying that everything God does, all of God's ways are perfect. If you you do things God's way, it will be perfect because all of his ways are perfect. He's a shield. He protects you. He cares for you. There's so much more that God does for you. These are just a few verses that say, look, he loves you. He's patient with you. He cares for you. He will be there for you. His way is is perfect. He's going to guide you in a way that there's no, no fallacy in. He'll guide you along these paths that bring about life and life more abundantly. That's who God is. If if you've had this view of God that you can't honestly say from your heart that you believe God is good, then I'm just asking you just to pray and ask the Lord to give you a fresh perspective. And get in his word and say, God, show me. Show me. You know, there's this thing that has happened and I think sometimes the reason why we struggle if God is good because we think every every tragedy that happens is God. And that's a wrong perspective. We live in a fallen world and there's evil. And people have the, the freedom God has given each of us a free will. And God says, listen, I, I put before you life and death, blessing and curse, Choose. In other words, we have a choice. And if I went up and slapped him in the face, Tim would not be like, Lord, I received that. God, you're good. Thank you. He wouldn't do that. But yet we do that in life all the time. Something happens. We're like, well, that's just God. So then our view gets all distorted because now we think all this badness, this, all this pain that's inflicted on us. God would never tell you to pray for things if it was his will that you had it. He would never tell you to believe God for things if it was his will that he would bring you down. Do things happen? Yeah, we live in a fallen world. We live in a cursed world. But we are free from that because we have connected with a different, different source than this world. But is there going to be problems on this world? Yes. Yes. Is there going to be difficulty? Yes. Are there going to be people that do things that aren't right? Yes. But that doesn't mean that God is the source of all chaos and confusion and pain and hatred. He's not. He's not. How many of you messed up at all this week? Okay, for those who didn't raise your hand, you just did, so now you can raise it because you lied. All right? But here's the thing. Whatever it is that you messed up, God didn't do it. God didn't do it. If you got angry and yelled and screamed, God didn't do it. If you, if you made a wrong choice, God didn't do it. Listen, if you've, I, I, I'm way better because only one who but back in the day, when, when people didn't know how to drive and I was the only one who knew how to drive, <laughs> I get so frustrated. Like, seriously? Like, where did you get your license? Or do you even have a license? You're driving crazy. And if I would have hit my horn, like, uh. Now, I haven't done that in a long time. But when I did, I would never be like, God, why would you do that? God, why did you make me do that? Well, it was God's will I did that. Get pulled over, which did recently happen. Um, got pulled over. Officer comes to the window. You know, the Lord led me to speed. No. <laughs> We have choices, and we make choices every day, and they're not all God doing it. If we make choices, the choices that God would make for us would have different outcomes than the ones we make on our own. So we need to understand a better view of God. Now let's look at ourselves because some people, we, we know God is awesome and he's great, but he messed up when he made me. And you know what, if you have a, uh, if you don't have a good view of who you are, then you need to allow God to give you a fresh perspective. Let's look at what the word says about you. Galatians 3.26 says, you're a child of God. You are a child of God. You know what is, I mean, think about in the natural. Okay, because, because I'm the pastor here, um, when my kids were younger, they it's not that big a deal anymore. When they were younger, Chase one time told his friends, yeah, my dad my dad owns a church. Yeah. He owns all these, all, he owns the whole church, all the people, everything. He's my dad. Yeah. Or they, someone asked him about the church he goes to, and he's like, yeah, my dad, my dad owns that. He runs it. He was so proud. Like, my dad's got authority. I'm like, son, don't tell them that. Because if they come, they're going to be like, oh, that's your dad. But you know what? There was something about an excitement about, oh, that's my dad. The guy that, that, that leads and pastors the church, that's my dad. Because at, for him, that was, that was a big deal. So what if we were to have a conversation with each other and say, hey, um, instead of going like my dad is better than your dad," my dad, you know, hey, my dad made your dad. My dad created your dad. My dad created this world. My dad spoke a word and all this came into existence. I am related to the God of this world. He's chosen me as a son. If you were not, listen, if you weren't valuable, if you don't feel valuable, hello, you're God's child. You are connected as a child, as a son or daughter, to the living God, the God above any other small g-gods, the only God that is true and that's perfect and that's never failed, the only God that really has power above everything. That's your dad. That's your father. You can't, you can't look at yourself any anymore and it's like, I'm just not. Listen, when, G, when God sent Jesus, he had you in mind. He had you in mind because he loves you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and new life has become. If you, if you struggle because you still see yourself the way you used to be, that's a wrong perspective. That is a wrong perspective. Here's what the Lord says today. I don't know who that person is. This is who you are. Because when you came to me, the old was gone. And the Bible says when he forgives you, it's as far as the east is from the west and he'll remember it no more. So you are a new creation. And sometimes we have to let our past go. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's not good to have a testimony. But listen, if your testimony is keeping you tied to something then your testimony is not what you came from. Your testimony is where you went. That's your testimony. Your testimony isn't, well, I struggle with drugs, alcohol, I I'll, I'll kill people, I hurt. No, your testimony is God set me free from all of that. That's your testimony is, is the destination you are now. The place you are now is your testimony. Your testimony isn't connected to your past. Your testimony is I was in this horrible place, but God set me free. That's the testimony. And sometimes we get tied up in our testimony being in all the bondage we were in, and that's what we want to talk about all the time. And we'll spend testimony time talking 40 minutes about the bondage and five minutes about the freedom. And then we wonder why we still struggle staying connected to that path. It's Because that's not who we are anymore. So just, listen, I was involved in a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I was, I was the worst of them all. But God set me free. And today I don't have to look to anything else to, to cause me to function properly. I don't have to look to anything else to cover up hurts and wounds and, and feelings. Now I have God who I can cast all my cares on Him because He cares for me. And He's the one now who's lifting me up. He's the one who's encouraging me. He's the one who's given me His word to go every day, every day to just remind myself of the promises that He has for me. That's your testimony. So if you struggle with his perspective because of your past, I'm telling you, forget the past and move on with what God has for you. You're new. His mercies are new every morning, not every now and then. Every morning, every day you wake up, there's new mercy for you. If you messed up yesterday, hey, go to Home Depot, get some lumber, build a bridge, get over it. It's a new day. It's a new day. Walk free today. There's new mercy for you. Look at Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and say, you're God's masterpiece. That's, who, that's what God thinks about you. You are a beautiful, beautiful work. We are God's, anytime you think, man, I'm not, listen, God's got a big place in heaven. I believe our pictures are there. I believe it's like, that's my son, that's my son, that's my daughter. God loves you. He he says you're his masterpiece. One of his greatest, greatest creations is you. If God was here in the flesh and he said, hey, I want you to look at this creation. And let's say it was somebody else, or let's say it was just whatever. Well, let me just, all right, let's take God out of it. Let's say that a friend of yours, well, my daughter, okay, Meg, she loves to paint. She loves to do art. She takes art, she loves it. She does a wonderful job. She, we have all these, our whole dining room is just Meg's paintings, and we're running out of wall space. But she loves it. And do you know, what everything that she makes, when I look at it, I really sincerely as a dad I think they're beautiful I think they're beautiful I'm like she comes home and she's like dad look what I painted and I'm not like oh it's your daughter be nice I don't have to, I don't have to do that I'm not faking like oh that's awesome what is it I, I, that's not it you know what it's like wow it's beautiful all of her work it's beautiful she's amazing so it's easy to see someone else's work, and we get all excited. We all, but listen, when God says, "Look, look at my, look at, look, look at what I've created, look at what I've done," and we'll, with everybody else, we're like, "Oh God, you're awesome. You've created all these people." But then with us, we're like, "Yeah, but God, but me, I can't." You need to see yourself the same way you see. You see God's masterpiece for other people. We always believe verses like, man, you're God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. We can encourage each other, but we got to encourage ourselves. David had a moment where he said, I had to encourage myself in the Lord. We have to encourage ourselves. When when the enemy tries to bring you down and think you are devalued and not worth anything, then you need to remind yourself, hold up. I'm a child of God, created in his image and God says, I'm his masterpiece. So when the devil says, you ain't nobody. You ain't nobody. He don't care. Look at you, always failing, always struggling, always worrying, always blah, 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 blah. Don't listen to that. Just look at it like, <coughs> masterpiece. Just let him know. I'm God's masterpiece. You're just jealous that I'm God's got my picture in heaven and not yours. You got kicked out. Right? You're you're valuable. You are valuable. So you need to go home with that. You're valuable. Philippians 3.20. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Here's another thing we've got to remember about who you are. You're You're not associated with this world. The Bible says you are, not you will be, you are a citizen of heaven. That's your home. So when I says, man, all this stuff's going on, yeah, but you know, I'm glad I'm not from here. I belong to God. I'm a citizen of heaven. We have hope for us. Listen, there's hope for us. No matter how bad this world gets, there's hope for us. Because one day, we're going to go home. We're going to be with God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. There's going to be no more sadness, no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, none of that. And we're already connected to that life. Already. Let's keep going. Perspective of others. See, you have to see God one way, you see yourself another way, and then you'll have to, you see others a different way. Remember when the Bible says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Love your neighbor as yourself, which means you have to love yourself in order to love your neighbor as yourself. So God, yourself, and then others, that's where we're at here. So look at Ephesians 4, 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Okay, how we treat people. When we see people, we can either see people as, oh, no, they're just so far gone. But sometimes we don't know what people are going through. We don't know what people are feeling. We don't know what they're experiencing right now. And if we go by what we perceive, just on the outside, nine times out of ten, we're going to miss it. Because there's people on the outside that have this very tough, "ah, don't mess with me. But on the inside, they're like, please hug me. We don't, we don't know. Remember when Samuel went to anoint David? We talked about it last week a little bit. And, 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 and Jesse got all of his sons except David. And Samuel said, bring all of your sons. I'm going to anoint one as the next king. And he didn't bring David because in his natural mind, his perception was it wasn't him. Samuel's perception was when he saw the oldest, he said, it's probably him. This is probably the one. Their perception was only based on what they could see. And when you go on and read in Samuel, it says, God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outward. God looks at the heart. We judge people a lot of times what we see on the outward. But see, that's not how God does it. So if we want the perception to be like God's, we have to look deeper. We have to look deeper into people. I'm going to tell you right now, there was not one person. Well, I shouldn't say one because maybe my parents or something. But there was not one person that I believe would have said to me, Scott, you could plan a church. I didn't even think I could. But God saw something deeper in me. God saw potential I never knew. God saw something I never saw. And he said, I can do this through you. I'll do it. But I want to use you. And I'm like, God, of of all the people, of all the people that you have, I could think of thousands and thousands of people that would do better at that than me. But see, God saw something in me I didn't see in myself. He said, I mean, it was almost like I didn't hear this audible voice, but it was almost like God said to me, look, I'm choosing you because this is what I have for you. No one can do what I'm asking you to do but you because it's for you. And it began to just realize, you know what, I have to see people that same way. I'm very quick to judge on the outside and not look deep at the heart. And I'm working on that because sometimes it means that we're not quick to trust people. And I'm not saying that you don't have to have some things in mind. And I don't know if this is appropriate to share, but I'll share it anyway. There was one Sunday that every now and then we'll have, it's not bad, like, you know, oh, what's he going to say? I'm not going to cuss or nothing. But there was was a situation one time, every now and then we'll have people that come by the church, they need some money, they need help with something, and they'll, you know, come by the church. And some of them are legit, some of them aren't. And there was a particular guy that came one Sunday, and he came in, and he was just writing things down about what he needed. And I came out, and I was greeting people as they were leaving, and so I think Chris and some other people were, we're talking to him, and he just kept writing things down. And um, so I finally came around, and I said, y'all, all right, you got it? And he's like, he's like, yeah, he's deaf, and he's just telling us about some stuff that he needs. And this is the human side of me. I don't mind being honest with you, all right? You love me? You still going to love me when I'm done with this story? I, I, I wasn't sure because I've seen people come in and make up these stories and whatever because they want money. And... uh so I remember thinking, I said, well, just have him sit down. And he sat down, and he was writing something. And he was right at the edge of the wall, and then the hallway came this way. So I walked down the hallway, and I was talking to somebody. And I came back, and I thought, I'm going to test him because I don't believe him. So he was sitting there, and I came up, and I smacked the wall behind him. This is right after church, you know, right after church. And I'm like, Bah! He didn't move. I was like, he's deaf. We need to help him. We need to help him. He's legit. That's for real. That is for real. Everybody else was like, Pastor, like, you didn't believe him? And I was like, did all y'all believe him? And they were like, well, we were thinking, you know what I mean? I was like, well, sorry. I just had something in me that just didn't sit right. But after, but he didn't buzz. He was just, Psh! and I was like, yep, help that man out. That man is legit. But you know why it happens? Because my perception is because people have come in and taken advantage that I'm going to protect. This is God's money. I want to steward it well. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to throw it out to something that's that's not going to be used for good things. But sometimes I can take that perception and not say, God, showed me here, but just say, all right, this is what I think. And I was wrong. There was another family one time that came, and they said, oh, we felt like the Lord called us here. And I'm like, Okay. They come after church and they got all this stuff. Guess what? They were here for three years. Faithful part of the church. Active. But the very first time I met them, I was a little hesitant because I've seen seen negative. I've seen the negative side of it. What happens when we see negative, we begin to pursue everything with that mindset of this could be that same thing. Instead of giving everything a fresh perspective to say, God, what are you saying? Because just because something happened one time that was negative doesn't mean every experience is going to be negative. Just because you've been at a church that hurt you before doesn't mean the next one's going to hurt you. Just because you've had a bad experience stepping out in faith and, and you miss God and, it, oh, man, I thought this was it and I just, it wasn't right. Don't be afraid to step out again. Our perspective has to be different. We have to begin to see God, what he's doing in other people, it's different than us. No one would have thought when I was in high school that I would be doing this today. But there was people that believed in me even then. Even in my worst moments, they believed in me. And we need to be that kind of church that we believe in people. We believe in people. That we don't look just at the outside. But we look down deep and say, listen, on the outside, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. But inside, there's something there that God wants to do. There's potential. Potential for some major stuff right there. And we need to reach in and help draw that out of people. That's part of what our vision is. Equip and empower. Encourage them. You can do it. You can do it. I'm a product of that. You're probably a product of someone encouraging you to believe you could do it. And that's what we need. All right, let's keep going. John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I've loved you. So the way God has loved us, we should love people where they're at. Where they're at. No one should have to get to this place until it's, oh, okay, now you're lovable. Now you're lovable. Took you a while, but you're there. No, we love him the, the second we see him because we're loving with God's love, the same love he's given us. That love is not based on our performance, not based on where we're at in our season of life. It's based on the love that is sincere and unconditional. That's God's love. All right, let's keep going. Philippians two four it says, this: don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You know, so many times in life we, we look at ourselves and we see what we're doing and what we need to do and all this stuff that we got going on and sometimes we forget that the Bible is very clear to think about others too. It's not just about It's not just about you. It's not just you and your world. It's other people that God has set you in a place to help, to serve, to minister to. There's other people that need you, your family, your friends, your employers, your employees. Everybody, there's people around you, you got to think about other people. I'm not saying you don't know, think about yourself. We have to make sure that we're okay too, obviously. But we got to also look out for the interests of other people. So when you see people and you look at them, God, ask, ask for God's perspective. I was telling somebody earlier, you know, sometimes you go to different grocery stores and different places and customer service just doesn't seem to be what it used to be. But I also tell you this: that we live in a whole different world than we used to live in. And I, and I, sometimes when I go through and I have a bad experience, you know, and uh, just someone's just cranky and grumpy, you just think, man, that's no way to treat a customer. But sometimes you don't know. You don't know what you don't know what they came from. You don't know what happened that morning on their way to work. You don't know what happened to someone in their family the night before. And they're just there because they got to have the money. And they're trying to push through. But inside they're they're hurting. And they're in pain. They're in an abusive relationship, whatever. And we don't know. And we're quick to just look at, how dare you treat me that way? Look deeper. Ask the Lord to show you a little deeper. Maybe they just need to be loved where they're at. Maybe that's all they need. I went to Starbucks the other day and I said, let me get a grande mocha. And he gives me a grande bold, which is just straight up coffee. No mocha. That's a that's that's wrong. That's wrong. And he handed it to me. I was like, I said, like, oh, um, I, I see a grande mocha. He's like, oh, 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 oh. No, I think you said bold. Uh, inside I'm thinking, brother, I know what I ordered. <laughs> Listen, I'm the one that said it. But I didn't know. I was like, you know what? Maybe I might have. No problem. He said, no, 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 no. Give me that. So he gives it. In. He goes, you want it? And I said, no. Nah. He said, you want to give it to somebody? I said, I'm by myself, man. I'm going to be in the car for a little while, and I, I, I won't drink it. He said, well, let me get you the mocha. He said, he gets me the mocha. And uh, and uh, he says, he goes, I'll tell you what, man, I'm just going to take that off. You don't even have to pay for that. I'm like, so I don't have to pay for that? I'll pay for the mocha. He's like, no, nah, man, no. Nah. Anybody that doesn't get upset when I mess up, they get a free drink. I'm like, so I'm like, do you have a lot of people get mad? Oh, yeah. And it was funny because not later on, uh, Curtis was at a Starbucks. He's like, man, this lady in there, she was all upset. And I was like, yeah, if she'd have been nice, she'd have got a free mocha. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You don't know what they're going through, but be nice. It still works for you too. But be nice to people. You don't know what they're facing. Be nice. Look to your neighbor and say, Be nice. Some of y'all had too much fun doing that, looking at your spouse. Be nice. Pastor said. All right. Perspective when you're feeling weak. Let's hurry through these. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Three different times I begged for the Lord to take it away. He's talking about the thorn in the flesh that Paul had. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in what? Okay. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness. Does that make sense? How many people do you know have boasted about being weak? How you doing? Man, I am weak. Yes. I love it. How you doing today? Weak as ever? Weak as ever, brother. I am weak as ever. You know why he boasted in his weakness? Because at that time it's in his weakness that he knows the power of Christ can work through him. So when you are weak, when you are weak, you know what you find? God's strength is all about that. When's the last time we boasted in weakness? We don't. You know why? Because we have this thing, we have this perspective that we and society has all come up with that we have to be strong. And it happens not just in men, in women too. Where we want to be strong, act like we got it together, act like, oh, it ain't taking me down. Man, I got this. And we come in, hallelujah, praise Jesus. And on the inside, we are miserable. But we don't want to show any weakness because weakness, weakness is bad. I just want you to know you should be boasting about your weakness. To be able to say, I'm going through something right now and I can't handle it. But God can. And if I will step back and let God do it, he'll do it. You know, I read a Proverbs every day according to the day of the the month. Today's the 24th. In Proverbs 24, it says, um, people fail because because of their lack of strength. And you know what that's saying? When we do it on our own, we don't have the strength. The times when you find yourself failing and you just are losing it, it's because you're trying on your own. You're trying on your own and we can talk about it all day and we can, we can preach about it all day but until you get the perspective that I can't do it I got to have God and until you'll turn it over to God you will wear yourself out time and time again you'll live every day just worn out spiritually, mentally, emotionally physically, you'll wear yourself out let's look at the next verse Ephesians 6 10 a final word Be strong in who? Right. Not you. Not saying, listen, be strong by yourself. Nope. Your strength is in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in His power. Again, your strength does not come from you deciding, I'm going to be strong. Because in your strongest moment by yourself, you can do nothing compared to what God can do. We're supposed to be strong in Him. And in his power, because it's his power that produces good things. It's his strength that overcomes anything you face. We have to be strong in him. Look at the next verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. But God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. Here's what it's saying. When you go through something, you're able to go through it. When you face a temptation or a difficulty, guess what? God would not ever put something in front of you that is impossible for you to get through. So when you feel weak, you have to know even in this weakness, I know God's strength is with me. And nothing would come my way that I can't handle. That doesn't mean we don't feel like we can handle it. There's times where I felt like, man, I just, I can't handle this. But those are usually at the moments when I've tried to handle it. I say, God, you would never, you would never put me in a situation that I can't, that I can't make it. Your word says you'll always show me a way out. But here's the thing, he will show you a way out. Listen, if, if I was going to show you something, let's say I wanted to show you Cliff's pick to his guitar. For me to show you this, you have to be looking at me. Right? So if God says, I'll show you a way out, where do your eyes need to be? Right. God promises that he'll show you a way out. But if you're not looking at him, you're not going to see it. And then you're going to get upset that you don't know the way out. God, you didn't. And God was like, it was right here. I was showing you the whole time. You just never look. You never put your eyes on me. You never come to me and say, Lord, show me. What do I do? The perspective that God wants to give you about your situation, he knows how you're going to get through it. And he wants you to acknowledge that you can't because it's only then you're going to turn it over to him. If you think you can do it, you're not going to ask him for help. And you'll live with natural results of everything instead of supernatural. And I'd rather have supernatural myself. Philippians 4.13 says you can do everything through Christ. Even in your weakest moments, The Bible is still true. You can do everything. Through Christ, who gives you what? So where does that strength come from? Right. Doesn't come from you? It comes from him. Perspective and difficulties. We face challenges. We face struggles. James 1, 2 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect, complete and needing nothing. Now, verse 2 says when you face trials, count it as an opportunity for joy. How many of you do that? Me either. Not consistently. But you know what God's perspective is? That when a problem comes, there's an opportunity There's an opportunity for you to to see things develop in your life as you walk through it. There will be, if it takes faith to please God and faith is believing something before you see it, then guess what? There's going to be those sensitive moments of your life that you're going to have to walk through, those difficult places. I've been through difficulty. I've been through those times where we've had to step out and trust God and we didn't know how it was going to happen. But those moments were some of the most difficult moments, but they were the moments that I grew the most, and they've shaped who I am, and they've shaped the life of this church. The difficult moments. Because it's that. You know, if you really want to lift weights and get in shape, guess what, you're going to be uncomfortable. If you don't like that, then you'll stop. I stopped lifting weights because they're too heavy. I just said it's too heavy. But if you really want to get big and you really want to get strong, you're going to have to push yourself when your muscles are hurting. You're going to have to push through and stretch those muscles and use them. That, that's, that's what happens. That, so when people that really want to, you know, get really fit and really thick and bulky, muscular, they got to push through the pain. But the pain is worth it at the end when all of a sudden you see like, man, I'm in the best shape I've ever been. But there was pain involved. Listen, a rubber band isn't effective unless it's stretched, right? If you put a rubber band around something and it's not stressed at all, it's not going to hold. Sometimes those difficult places that we need to know, God can do things in us and through us. And sometimes that stretching is actually really helping us. But we're still going to get through whatever it is. It's not going to take us down. We're going to get through it. Romans 8.37 says this. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory is ours. We have to have that perspective to know we win. When it's all said and done, we win. Romans eight twenty eight. we know that God can cause all things to work together for the good. All things, everything to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to the purpose. Right? All things, God can work for the good. The difficult place in your life right now, God can work for the good, even through those. Look at the next scripture, John 16, I've told you this so you will have peace. Okay, this is why God's telling us is so we can have peace. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You know why that gives you hope? Because if, if God has overcome the world, and he's with you, then he knows how to overcome it. He knows how to see you through it. If you're going through something, let's say you're uh, doing some work, let's say you're doing some electrical work, and you've never done electrical work before, it could be a very shocking experience for you, (laughs) right? But what if you have someone who's done electrical work with you? You're a lot more confident. When they say, hey, do this, put those together, flip the breaker off first, Put those together, undo that, do this, do that. It's a lot more effective. Why? Because you have someone who's been there, someone who's done that. Listen, Jesus lived life here. He faced temptation. He faced struggles. He faced difficulty. He faced pain. He faced all of it. And he overcame it. And if we have Jesus who has overcome the world, Then there's hope for us as we walk through this world, the sorrows and the trials that we face. There's hope because we know we have one who's been through it, and he won. He was victorious, and he says that we're victorious, so we can make it too. It changes your perspective on your problems. And then the last thing is perspective when things seem hopeless. Look at these verses real quick. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. Let's go ahead to the next one. Joshua 1, 9, this is my command, be strong in the Lord, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then Jeremiah 32, verse 17, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and your powerful arm. This is Jeremiah saying to God, nothing is too hard for you. And then in verse 27, God reminds him, He says, I'm the Lord, the God of all people of the world. Is anything too hard for me? Here's what I believe he's saying. Okay, listen, you just said, we would all say, God, nothing is too difficult for you. But then we go to God like, Lord, we're not going to make it. And I could just see God saying, "Um, excuse me, is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? You think it would be difficult to create a world when there's nothing to create it from? Think it'd be hard to make a mountain when there's nothing to make a mountain out of? Listen, you know how I created things? I just said it. So if I can do that, do you think I could speak into your life? If I I created light before there was sun, don't you think I could miraculously do something for you? Don't you think I could? Don't you think I could? Have you not seen nothing? Nothing. It's impossible for me. Nothing. When Jesus fed the 5,000, that's one of the scriptures in the top, and we didn't read it. But when Jesus fed the 5,000, you know, here he is, they're getting away. They just finished speaking. They're getting away, and it's, it's ti- they're tired, it's night, and, and they're like, let's just let's get away. So they try to get away, and the crowd follows, and, and Jesus looks, and he's teaching them. And then Jesus says, Look, the pe- or one of the disciples says, All right, listen, it's getting late. Send these people away, they're hungry. Let's just, you know, wrap it up, Jesus, long-winded preacher. Wrap it up. It's getting late. They're hungry. And Jesus had compassion. Here's what he said. He said, you feed them. They're like, There's, it's 5,000-plus people. Hello? Right. You feed them. And I think it's Philip that says it would take eight months' wages just to have enough money to feed these people. And I don't think they're going to wait for eight months. And so long story short, they figure out what do they have, and they have this boy who has this little lunch, and they, they bring it to Jesus, and he, he gives thanks. He's thankful for what little he has, right? Enter his gates with thanksgiving, start with thanks. He gives thanks. He tells the disciples, start passing it out. 5,000 people. A little boy's lunch. What's the perspective you would have as a disciple? Oh, shoot. I have a little piece of fish and a a little roll to give these 2,000 people. It's not going to do it. Because it didn't start multiplying in Jesus' hand. He wasn't like, Lord, whoa, whoa, come get it, guys, pass it out. It wasn't like that. They had to step out in faith. And as they passed it out, it multiplied. Their perspective then was, Lord, we can't do it. It would take a lot of money. We don't have it. We don't have food for them. Send them home. That was the natural perspective that probably every one of us would have had at that moment. But there was a different perspective that God had. And Jesus said, look, we're going to feed them. And a miraculous thing happened that would have never happened had Jesus not said, listen, this is what we're going to do. Because if they would have based it just on their perspective, they would have never experienced a miracle. Because they, in their mind, said there's no way. In God's mind, there's always a way. With God, there's always a way. So I want to challenge you today. We need to allow God to help us in our perspective. You know why this world is such a bad place that you think? Because that's all you're getting. Where does our information come from? It comes from the media. It doesn't matter what channel you watch. If you get it from CNN, whatever, Fox, MSNBC, or whatever. I don't even know the other ones. That's all you're getting. Then your world is being painted by what you're being fed by the media. And please, do not get your information from Facebook. I'm telling you, that's a sewer of information. But because of what we're being fed, we have a, we have this interpretation of what's happening all over the world. And don't get me wrong, there's some terrible things that have happened. But can I tell you something? There are some amazing things happening in this world that no one's talking about. We're here today, a group of people, and all over this community today, people are hearing the word of God. People are standing for the word of God. People are worshiping God. People's lives are being touched. People are being healed. People are being set free. All this stuff is happening. We're not talking anything about it because all we're getting is this onslaught of information of, oh, the world is horrible. Oh, yeah, the election is going to be horrible. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Listen, get your eyes off of the world. Live in it, but don't let it live in you. Listen, I just want to tell you, we still have hope. You hear me? We still have hope. All you're seeing is a neck, but I'm telling you, God is moving in things that you haven't seen or heard or know, but God is moving. And if you get in the Word, you'll see that God's people always, always prospered when the the countries were doing horrible. God's people always prospered even in times of famine. God's people were taken care of. If you have this perspective of how wretched this world is, then you need to allow God to give you a perspective. Because when God looks down on this world, he loves it. He loves the people in it, everyone, every person in it, he loves. If we allow God to change our perspective, I'm going to say you'll get up with a little more excitement in the morning, like another day, another day to live in this land we live in. Yes, there's stuff. Yes, there's difficulty. Yes, there's problems. But guess what? There's difficulty and problems in the church too. And we still make it.